0: Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life.
1: hi right, adam welcome back to the wayfinder show how how you doing today
0: i'm doing good man this is the first monday post w2 career so it's 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 wow you know an odd free feeling but really not that much different feeling than than any other monday in the last <laughs> year or two but yeah it's it, it is it does have that you know thought in the background of hey i don't have to worry about a boss calling me today or anything like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And yeah. uh you're not at liberty to talk about what you're doing yet, right?
0: No, you know, we can I mean I'm I'm buying a business as our yeah. regular listeners will know um and moving across the country to, to operate it. But uh but yeah, let's I'm still under confidentiality agreement, so we can go as deep as anybody wants to um a couple weeks from now.
1: Perfect. Okay. So um, what are we going to do today, Adam?
0: Well, so we got a fun one planned today. Louie and I have been talking for a while about doing an episode on books that we like. And we just kind of backburnered it. And coincidentally, we had a a guest cancel an interview that we had. So we thought, you know what? We're just going to do that book idea that we've been talking about for weeks now uh, right here. And being that... We got the NFL draft coming up soon. We're going to have some fun with it and do it in a draft format. Um, so you know what, Lou? you got a coin, man. We got to figure out who goes first. And then oh, from man. there, we'll just go back and forth drafting quote, oh, uh, you cool. know, a team of, of of books, essentially. And these books specifically aren't just necessarily our favorite books, but books that have had either a great paradigm shift in our lives or made some kind of great impact that uh hopefully can help you all out there if you if you haven't read them yet.
1: All right. Good. All right, I man, actually so- do have a coin. I, I, coincidentally, I never have any, but I found one as I was going into my truck. There was like a dime right next to it. So nice. I'll be happy to flip it. So ready, Let's call do it.
0: Okay. Tails.
1: Tails it is. <laughs>
0: oh, so I'm yeah. up first. Yeah, yeah. So with the first pick of the 2023 paradigm shifting book drafts i'm gonna select tribe of millionaires by oh. david osborne pat Hyman, mike mccarthy and tim Rode the uh, yeah. founders of go yeah so that book for those that haven't read it or listened to it um it's a uh, I guess you'd call it a a fable based book kind of a, a you know i definitely consider it in the personal development space um but basically it tracks the story of a guy named ethan who his father who he was not very close to at all passes away and he didn't really know his dad he had an estranged relationship with his father um but as his dad passed away he, he you know obviously was involved in in the funeral proceedings and Along the lines, he realized that his dad lived this whole life that he didn't even know anything about. His dad, you know, in the book sounds like actually a pretty interesting guy. And and he was part of this group that in the book is called Tribe of Millionaires. And the book, you know, in general, what it talks about is all just the power of relationships, the power of the people you're surrounding yourself with. And, And so Ethan, in this book, he goes on this adventure where he gets flown to an island in the middle of nowhere um and he's he's there for a number of days i don't remember if it's exactly six days or what but basically they take him through a different effect if you will or or, you know a takeaway that you can pull from the book every day and there's six of these effects um so kind of six core ideas of ideas of the book which i'll just take you through real quick um for the listener and then obviously if you want to dive into it more and get the full effect of this um you'll have to read the book but so there's the influence effect which it, little subtitle here your destiny is shaped by those around you the multiplier effect the right group of people compounds your efforts the accountability effect accountability is the world's most powerful force the authenticity effect you find your true self among those you trust the purpose effect The right people reveal your richest source of power and the connection effect. Your life will be measured by the quality of your relationships. Um, So, yeah, and it, it, you know, it's had a big effect in my life. Um, As Louie and I have talked about it before, we're, we're part of a group that's associated with, with GoBundance and, and um, basically it's the same, same thing run by similar people. And All of those pillars that I just went over, all of those effects that I went over are are things that that we focus on and we talk about And it's all about being vulnerable and being authentic and and being held accountable by people and and really just trying to be better versions of ourselves in any way, right? Whether it's finance, whether it's being a better father, better husband, uh, better friend, uh, more physically fit taking more adventures just just grabbing life big yeah so to speak so so that's why i picked that one i I think it's 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 a great book that everybody can get something out of
1: yeah i'm glad you picked that one um the uh it it, i remember reading this one as well and it really is good you know i'm a big fan of fables Mm -hmm. uh and they did that one really well uh i i think what stood out to me was if I remember correctly, was Ethan was kind of a uh a, a bratty rich kid, right? Like, but he didn't really know mm-hmm. why or whatever. And then he he kind of got like a letter or something telling him to go somewhere by his dad. And I don't think he even had too much respect for his dad or what he did. Right. And, and it just uncovers like uh who his dad was and how special he was and all this stuff. And he develops this appreciation for him over the 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 book and 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 he matures and he you know he learns humility and authenticity you know for, through those pillars like authenticity and all that I think that it was it was it was a really 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 good book really touched yeah. it, it definitely had a big impact on me definitely a paradigm yeah. shifter for sure
0: and Ethan yeah. goes through that experience of, of learning all mm-hmm. those things as Louis just described and then and then comes back and and at the end of course applies them to his his life back at home and lo and behold he better marriage uh, more success in business and and all of those things that i think really truly does happen um Mm -hmm. when you implement a lot of these things into your life for most of us
1: yeah it's a good one i don't know if i'm going to be able to beat it and and the other thing is i i kind of was looking for some that i didn't know you know i thought about it as ones that people probably won't bring up uh although they could uh so i'll try to go with um one that'll probably come up, uh, you know, by a guest at some point, because I think it is a, a pretty popular self-help book. And that is uh, Extreme Ownership, with my number mm. one pick, by the way. Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willenick.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a good one.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Jocko is a pretty famous guy now. I think he's got a pod and and he he's, he's definitely an influencer. He was a, a U.S. Navy SEAL, if I remember correctly. And all of these books, by the way, I, I read them a long time ago. So I had to sit down and really think through. I looked up some reviews to try to jog my memory. But um, and and if I remember correctly, he started talking about uh, like the whole book. He goes back and forth about being in war, being on the battlefield. And I think it starts out that way. And he kind of puts you in his mind while he was in in the battle, the war. And I can't remember where it was that he started. And um and it took him through. He had to he had to lead a group, you know, and and it didn't all work out for the best. If I remember correctly, some somebody died on his squad mm-hmm. and everything. It was really, really tough, and uh, and and just it just captures you right away, right? And then from there, it, it starts to talk about all the lessons he learned through that, and uh, and applies them towards like leadership development, right? So one of the, the quotes that um, he he had in there that I, I did remember and I, I recalled in the reviews was, you know, there's there's no bad teams there's only bad leaders. And uh, it's really, you know, I've been I'm a leader now and I've been a le- in leadership positions for a, a long time. And I've often found myself in these positions where I I blame a teammate, you know, on my on my team because they didn't do something. Or they did it wrong right and really that's not their fault that's my fault i didn't lead them well right and that's kind of the gist of the book mm-hmm. and um and how we have to take extreme ownership for that and there's other examples in the book where it goes further for every single you know uh result that we have in our lives we should be taking ownership it's not it is our fault uh no matter what it, no matter what happens, it is our fault and we need to take responsibility for it. And, you know, we can argue back and forth about whether that's true or not. Like, you know, there's the proverbial, you're walking down the street, you get hit by a car. Is that really your fault or not? Um, You know, that's a philosophical debate, right? But overall, I think most of the things that happen to us, we have to look at that way because until we do that, we can't really grow or become empowered right um I look at what happened to me during 2008 in this way a lot sometimes when I share with people what ha- you know that we lost everything because of the 08 crisis and I'm always analyzing it to this day and beating myself you know I, I spent a ton of money and going to get a master's to learn more about business and economics and everything so I could uh just learn what it what it was I didn't know and and then uh people are like no but that was 2008 that wasn't your fault but you know what? It was my fault because it was a lot of things I could have known, if I if I you know that would would have said, okay, uh, credit is tightening, um, you know, so therefore people might not get loans, and therefore I might not be able to sell a home. So what is my, you know, how can I mitigate that risk, right? Right. Um, so many things like that. So part of it is. You know systemic what's happening it's not within our control but understanding what's out there is a big thing within our control and maybe knowing what i if i if i don't know about an area then maybe i shouldn't make a decision you know with so much um like self-confirmation about it without really knowing hey this could happen until i've really analyzed that right yeah so
0: and, and you know, it whether it was your fault or not your fault is, I mean, I'd agree with everything you said, but this, at the same time, some of it, I mean, it really doesn't even matter, right? The, right. The, the, at the end of the day, if you can reflect back on what you could have controlled and more importantly, what you can control now, because that's the only reason to look back is to make sure you you properly inform yourself for the future and, and learn from your mistakes or or whatever happened to you. Mm -hmm. but you can only really focus on, on what you can control. And, and, you know, if you can't learn from it, then sorry, I said that wrong. Let me start that over. But if you, if you just blame outside conditions and throw up your hands and say, well, it was 2008. I mean, then, then what are you really learning from that? And what are you going to do? And and, because let's be honest, there's a ton of people that became ridiculously wealthy Absolutely. because of 2008. And yeah. so what did they do that put themselves in a better position than, than what a lot of other people were doing, you know?
1: Absolutely. So. And we can apply this in like any area in life. Right. I was working with a couple whose home we're selling, that's going through a divorce. And one of them just says, you know, it's the other person's fault, you know, that we're going through this and all that. Right. And and they can't yeah. accept it and because they can't, nothing's moving forward. Right. And, and and so it's just that everybody's got to take, understand their part in it and take ownership of it. Basically. Yeah. yeah.
0: Love it, man. Good pick. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Well, you know, from a big theme perspective, my next selection isn't really that far off, but definitely a different perspective. So with the number two pick, I'm going to go with relentless by Tim Grover.
1: Oh, um, I never read that.
0: Okay. So great book. So for those that don't know, Tim Grover is a strength and conditioning trainer for NBA players. Um, some of his, his biggest clients were Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade. Those three he talks about a lot in the books. Um, Cause I think he sees those as just um, what he would turn. He, he classifies people into three different categories in the book. And he's a very direct and blunt guy, so I'm sure his his book and, and I've heard him on podcasts before. I'm sure he rubs some people the wrong way, but he's 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 you can pull. I think anybody with an open mind can pull a lot of value out of out of his books and and just listen to him speak. But he categorizes people into three categories: coolers, closers, and cleaners, and it's kind of like. You know, your coolers are, are pretty good players and everything in the book, since his life is in the NBA, is centered around NBA players. And that's those are the metaphors he's using throughout the book. Closers are your players that that come through in the clutch and, and they hit some good shots every once in a while. And, and and maybe even more than every once in a while, maybe a lot. And then your cleaners are the people that are just undeniably not going to lose. You know, they might mm. slip up a time or two, but you're not going to beat them. You know, you're Michael Jordans, you're Kobe Bryants, but it's, it's really not even just, centered around like, well, this is the greatest player of all time. As much as it's just the mentality, right? Like, think of yeah. Kobe and the Mamba mentality, and Jordan's just relentless um, pursuit of greatness in everything, whether it's gambling and golf. You know, I mean, it's not always healthy, but it's just, right. it's just the most competitive, relentless human beings on the planet. And, and talking all about that, um, and it's a great book, and it it just goes through. He, he lays it out into. 13 different mindset approaches and and just really outlines the things that these people do that he would call cleaners, things that cleaners do that go kind of above and beyond other people to just basically just not give up. And and kind of similar to what you're talking about with extreme ownership is just just taking the ownership and putting it on yourself and realizing that to be great at something, you need to get do this, this, and this. But if you really want to be unbeatable, then you got to take it a level up from there. And it's Mm -hmm. on you and it's in your control. But there's always something you can be doing to put yourself in a better position with Mm -hmm. a better chance to succeed, I think, is kind of the big takeaway for me. Mm. So I'd recommend it. He's got a couple books, Relentless, and then he followed up with another book called Winning. Which is also really good, but I think Relentless was his first one, and I, I'd highly recommend it. It's a great book. I just read it uh, for the second time when I was starting um, seventy-five hard and just just kind of getting that that uh, relentless lion mindset. It's it's a good book for that.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if he in the in the book is it. I, I assume he just focuses on the character traits of the cleaners. Does he talk well,
0: about he? does but he kind of paints it in fact in the beginning of every chapter he goes through there's a different theme to every chapter for these 13 different themes and 13 different chapters and and so he'll relate it i wish i had something in front of me where i could give you a good example but he'll say you know around this topic coolers do this uh closers do this but a cleaner does yeah. this, you know, yeah. and, and just kind of, so he does lay out kind of the differences between the coolers, the cleaners and, and, and the closers, if okay. you will. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it really is focused around um, him working with, with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade, and then sure. also some comparisons to other people who he doesn't necessarily even name, but, you know, different clients he works with that, you know, he wouldn't put in that category. And honestly, it's just, it, there's a lot of just interesting stories in there too. So it's, it's a good read as well.
1: Okay. Oh yeah. Those are, man, imagine being able to work with those guys. You would definitely be right. an expert in something at that level, you yeah. know, cleaning, I guess. Um, cool. So I'm going to make my second pick a book called Principles, Life and Work by Ray mm. Dalio. Um, have you read this one, Adam?
0: I think I listened to the audio book of it a while back. It's been a while, but yes.
1: Okay. I don't know if I got through the
0: whole thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I may not have got through the whole thing. It's long.
1: I remember that being a massive book. (laughs) (laughs) Also like a really beautiful book. I remember like the way it was. So, um, you know, it's, it's hard to explain this book without really knowing a little bit about Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio is the founder of Bridgewater and Associates, which I think is the world's biggest hedge fund. Or at one point it was. And uh, he's, he's a very interesting guy at this point in his life. He's just writing a lot of different books about, um, you know, th- this was the first one more about like how to build a good company kind of thing, but he writes about economic cycles a lot, which I find fascinating and uh, just business in general. But early in his career, he was a pretty smart guy. I think he went to Harvard or something and he, and he tried to come out and start uh, a bit of a, a, an investment fund. I don't know if it was called a hedge fund back then. And and it went, you know, there was a, a big economic crash, like in early eighties and he lost everything. Right. And, um, and all of, he, he basically built his whole company after that from the learnings of how he went about learning everything there. And part of it was because, he, he had said something along the lines of he, he just thought like he knew how to pick a good stock, for example, because the company was great and all that. or But what happens is he was, you know, you can't always get that. It's like impossible, right? So he really designed his company to be around the principles that you have uh, to analyze, you know, to decide if you're going to buy or buy a company or stock or whatever you're going to invest in, right? It's not much different than like just setting your criteria. Uh, for whatever you're going to invest in or whatever decision you're going to make. Oftentimes, when I meet with investors, that's the first thing I ask them is like, what's your criteria? You know, everybody comes and tells me, hey, I want to invest in real estate. I want to make a million dollars. Okay, great. What's your criteria? That's always my first question to them. And so that's what he did in in laying out this book. And he had an interesting quote in there uh, that he starts the book with. It's called, without principles, we would be forced to react to all things life throws at us individually as if we were just experiencing them for the first time. And obviously what it means by that is like, we should be taking all of the experiences we have to develop the criteria we have, for how we make decisions. And if you study Bridgewater and Associates, it's like whole case studies, this company is super fascinating. One of the things they do, they, they were like early into using Excel to model out how to analyze companies and everything that they're gonna, they're gonna invest in. And then down the road, it was just using other computer power, and I'm sure now they're getting into AI. They probably have been as well. And they use these tools where they they come up with the principles themselves, the criteria as a team, and then they somehow figure out how to program it, right? Just like we do with Excel, we just set criteria we want to meet, you know, get a, a, a 20% cash on cash, you know, return, or whatever whatever the return on investment metric that you want to use is. Um, you know, you'll set that in your Excel calculator and just do it backwards. But he always took his principles and then created a criteria like in these models, and then he could walk away. Right. And as he pays attention to how life is changing, he can adjust um, or have different experiences. Uh, Another good quote that comes from there is uh, to be principled means to be, to consistently operate with principles that can be clearly explained. So, you know, in, for individuals like me and you is like, what is, what are our core values? You know, that we're always going to be like, like, are you always on time? Is that a core value for you? Um, I I'm trying to make it one for me, but I can't admit that I always am. But uh you know, the, it's just an example. So, so the consistency and how you operate becomes, you know, a principle to you. um And then once he's laid all that out, he kind of goes into what is his, Uh, guiding principles for his company which there's a lot uh, of really good ones and there's a couple I really wanted to talk about one of them is obviously learning humility you know from all the mistakes you make and he goes that's where he goes deep into his the early part of his career Um, thoughtful disagreement I think this is really powerful like this is what he did in that book I believe was he would even hire like the smartest people he could find that disagreed with his theories right and obviously he's got all the money in the world so if he believes like you know the earth is flat he would go and find the smartest people in the world for the earth is round and then you have a philosophical discussion with them about about that go back and forth and the whole reasoning behind this is you know it really forces you to expand your mind and think critically and all that right so Mm -hmm. uh, i i thought that's something we don't do, especially in this world today. Like how many times you you know, with politics, we yeah. if we disagree, we automatically hate them and we cancel them or something like that. That's just not right. You right. know, I mean, I grew up in an era of constructive criticism, right? Like we share our thoughts and then we each criticize them or give feedback for each other so we can get better, right? And and it's it's sad that we can't even do this anymore.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. I think the world we live in is just getting worse and worse and more polarized and polarized and probably partially because there's so much content out there that you can, I mean, not even intentionally, but you can say, okay, I'm going to do research on this topic and you could go in a wormhole for hours and hours and end on 50 different resources of just the people that share the exact opinion you do. Right. And not and, and get totally blocked out and have your blinders on to the fact that there's, you know, 50% of people or whatever the number would yeah. be that feel a completely opposite way and have valid reasons for doing so. And people just get so locked in that they think, wow, everyone that thinks something else must be an idiot because right. all these people I just spent all day listening to right. all agree with me, <laughs> you know?
1: And all it does is create like a confirmation bias. Right. So now, like, you know, I hate to be get political, but let's let's take the vaccine, for example, like there is, you know, everybody is essentially two sides to the vaccine and everybody, you can go out there and find the data of whether it's good for you or it's bad for you. I mean, and there are really smart people, scientists, all that that can prove it either way now. So all you're doing is looking for confirmation on that. So he would purposely look for the opposite on it, which is that's smart, man. amazing. And, and I try another, to
0: do that too, but I can't, you know, obviously, you know, we all can fall to just kind of being hard. biased towards people that think like us, but it's, man, if you can get yourself to, to really take a step back, put the guard down and think, okay, why, why does this person that seems smart think completely different than I do about this totally. and, and, you know try to make some kind of informed
1: decision from there.
0: It's hard to do sometimes, but man, is it important?
1: Absolutely. That's a good question to ask right there. I mean, I think if we just ask ourselves, why do so many people believe this opposite side when I know my side is the right way? And if you start to dig down that rabbit hole, you might start to see why and you might actually find you have more in common, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the other ones um uh, that I thought was also really important, and this is so important with family, with Teams with anything is this concept of radical transparency. And he talks about this so much. And it's, I, I think he um on his team, they really look to, I think when they hire everybody, they just want to see how brutally honest you're gonna be, right? Not holding back and and all that, and just just sharing really what what you're doing, what you think, all that, and just being brutally, you know, radically transparent on what you're doing. I think they even have like these baseball cards they make of all their employees and what they're doing, what their rankings are, and you know, and how there's sco- all, all kinds of stuff like that. And it, I just think that that's also really important. It makes us, you know, it's so easy to hide behind things and, and and say you're doing this and say you're doing that, but I, what are you really doing, right? And, and how are you really and, and what you sometimes hide in your head so you don't offend somebody, so you don't make them feel bad, all that or 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 you don't want to come off sounding like a jerk, right? Like it keeps you from actually like growing and, and the whole team growing because you're not sharing what what's really out there, the elephant in the room, right? That's how that's how you get the group think, and that's you know, not good either, right? Mm-hmm. And um the last couple ones are just um harnessing pain to create positive change, you know, just Taking all those, the, the losses you have and, and turning them into power, I think, is is really big. And again, he goes back to his time with his fall during the economic cycle in the 80s and how that helped him create the biggest comp- hedge fund in the world. And then, uh, obviously, just embracing reality. Like, it is where it is. Let's deal with it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, it's a good book, I think, especially for somebody who wants to build a company, just thinking it through. Um you know how to go about doing that
0: yeah Yeah. all right good selection so with my third pick in the draft i'm going with green lights by matthew mcconaughey kind of outside the box pick um i don't know i'm sure most of you listening know who matthew mcconaughey is i'm talking about the actor the celebrity the the dude from Dazed and Confused, that that guy. um, And, and you know, I, I admittedly didn't know anything about Matthew McConaughey yeah. before hearing that, well, hey, this is actually a really good book. You should check it out. And I was like, I was reluctant, but I, I did it anyway. And I actually, and I would recommend this. I, I got the audio book, which yeah. is narrated by him. And obviously he's a very charismatic, funny person to listen to. So I'd pro- I think it probably even... Added to how enjoyable yeah. the book was, but um,
1: I did the same. That book, <laughs> I mean, I could not, I just wanted to keep listening to it. I think I read it like in a day, I listened to it like in a day. I did it is so thing. good.
0: I think it was like a you know.
1: I six or stop. seven
0: hour listening. And I just like, there was one yeah. point where I just kept driving around in my truck. And yeah. I was like, I gotta just keep <laughs> it. This is amazing. It is. So it's really it's for one, it's an enthralling story. Like the dude yeah. had the craziest stories going yeah. on in his life, right. From just growing up in Texas, yeah. you know, being a kid getting in trouble all the time and, and then yeah. kind of stumbling into his dazed and confused interview. And then, and then all the bricks and his hallucinogenic,
1: Oh, trips yeah. <laughs> nobody right.
0: in, in his life and and you know meeting his wife and just just all this interesting stories but all but throughout the common theme of him kind of giving his personal insights and in everything he's learned in life and the reason it's called green lights is because he, it's kind of his theory around success and really related to being in alignment i think a lot of times mm-hmm. and kind of he uses the metaphor of like a traffic like like you know, you have these red light moments in your life. So that are like, you got to stop. Something's wrong. Can't be doing this. Or a yellow light obviously is cautionary, you know, yeah. going through, and then you hit these, these green light moments in your life that are like, everything's full alignment, ready to go. It's time to put the foot on the gas and just run through this door or down the street, whatever. Uh, and it's very insightful, very interesting. Um, actually want to, I'll just read a little bit about what he says in the book, just from his own words. It's notes about successes and failures, joys and sorrows, things that made me marvel and things that made me laugh out loud, how to be fair, how to have less stress, how to have fun, how to hurt people less, how to get hurt less, how to be a good man, how to have meaning in life, and how to be more me. Um, And then he, he goes on to say, how to get relative with the inevitable, you can enjoy a state of success I call catching green lights, which is kind of like what we just talked about. And it's uh yeah. anyway, I I'd highly recommend it to anybody. It's it's a phenomenal read. And I think it uh, definitely shift the way you look at a lot of things in your life.
1: Yeah. So good. You know, I remember, I also listened to it only because um everybody kept telling me I had to read this book. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Matthew McConnell, hey, I don't care about actors or anything like <laughs> I find right. them to be kind of boring. And so said, well, I just listened to it and got it. And then, like, oh man, it just couldn't stop. Now I kind of want to read the actual book too.
0: I kind uh, of do too. I think I it, might go back and do yeah, that.
1: It is a good one. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so many jewels in there. I, I can't even remember, but his delivery was so entertaining. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good another one. thing too. It was a fun listen, right? Because he's totally. he's just kind of a charismatic person and, and again just a lot of who knew that guys lived such an interesting life
1: yeah didn't he also get like a bus or a van and he just like after he became famous and everything right he took yeah. off and just lived out of the van traveled the country for a while exactly, with like a right. girlfriend right or, or was yeah. it his wife already and i uh, think
0: it's his now wife yeah but i can't i time. guess i can't remember if they were married at the time or or whatnot but yeah i think they just I think a couple years, maybe even in a different country. I wish I remember. It right. A while since I listened to it, but just kind of like lived out there, and you know, maybe even occasionally he'd fly back for like a to do some acting or something like that. But he's basically just right. living living in a van or an RV.
1: And that was what was neat. He was already famous when he did this, so right? To just take off and do this was crazy, right? Because you know, anywhere he goes, he's probably gonna get recognized. Um, yeah. Um Great. So my last book is, uh, I, I'm pretty confident you haven't read this one. <laughs> it's called No More Prisons by William Upsky Wimsett.
0: Okay. And
1: it was written in 1999. It's actually a book of essays. And um, there was one that I was trying to think of paradigm shifters in my life. And there's a lot of them, right? And I think we share a lot of them. But this was one of them for me. He had an essay in there called Homeschooling and Self-Education. Um, Actually, before I go into that, one of the things about his writing to me, I I really he wrote another book called Bomb the Burbs and William uh, Upsky was uh, he was an old school uh, graffiti writer, essentially, you know, he would go and just tag up like trains and things like that, I believe, and uh, could be getting somewhere wrong, but he built some fame around this in like the 80s and 90s. Uh, he's probably around my age. so It would probably be the 90s in, in New York City area and, and, and tagged up a lot. And so that they used to call that bombing. And so he talked about growing up as like a rich kid in the burbs and, and how they should really be bombing the burbs. And so he, he has this very alternative way of thinking. Um, but one of them that will challenge you is that essay that has always resonated in me, homeschooling and, and self-education. And it starts with, and by the way, the whole book you can find on google scholar right now you don't even have to buy it it's right there because i was trying to remember some of it and i looked it up and found some uh, but um starts out by asking students to go ask their teachers what is the one thing they learned in school that they could not have learned on their own right and he's just with that question starts the essay he's essentially challenging why why even go to school right you can learn anything on your own and i remember when i read that i was in this Couple of years out of college, and I think my youngest might have been born or we were expecting, and uh, and we're already thinking about schooling and all this stuff. And it just changed it. Like I only thought there was one way you can get educated, which was to go to school. And no, you could do so many other way things to learn in life. And and he starts to study some of those and show how it can be way more effective. Right. And if I remember correctly, there was even an example. Of like a kid who wanted to learn. I, th- I think he was really into J- Japanimation. You know that those comics, uh, Japanimation comics. I don't mm-hmm. know if they still call it that. Um, and so then, the parents start developing like a whole curriculum around this, right? So they the kids start learning a foreign language through that. They go to they go to Japan, right? They learn all all the culture. They learn math how they do all the everything we need to learn. Uh, all on their own rather and, and they made it a homeschooling curriculum rather than going to school and I just found that to be um really interesting and he he described how um uh that was leading to the self-schooling movement now this this book is now over 20 years old so it, it, it I don't know if schools are obviously just as relevant now as they were before but we are starting to see some changes right like with the hybrid model. Uh, it allowed, you know, my daughter actually left a traditional high school and and joined went back online after going online because of Covid. We wouldn't never even thought of that, right? And she was doing pretty well with that, went to a real school, wasn't doing so well, then she joined went back to online. Now she's getting ahead. She's actually going to graduate a year early. Wow. Uh, and she's studying classes that she really likes, like forensics and different things she didn't have available to her. You know, it's expanding her mind. so so, in a way, I think it's like it was a little premature this book, maybe. Cause now I think hybrid models allowing us to become more mainstream and and mainstream schools are uh, allowing for, for some of these uh, self-schooling methods. Right. Um, So anyways, I I just thought that was interesting. Another, another reason if you're an old school hip hop head, like I am, you know, like that eighties, nineties style of hip hop, he, he's very much from that era and he writes in that style and I he you know quotes like KRS One and all these old school hip hop heads so it was uh, something I really related to uh, a lot but um, yeah that, nice man that's, I'll uh, have to check no that business. out
0: and you are correct I have not read that nor I don't know that I've ever even really heard of it so but it sounds interesting definitely I mean yeah. and I'm, I'm I think we align pretty closely on the idea that you know maybe traditional school systems aren't aren't always the best and that that they could be modified. Um yeah. You know, and I know there's different models out there that I've at least looked into and thought about, like the Acton Academy and some of the these other conversations. Like, you know, when we had the conversation with lena on one on whenever her her episode about just different options and how maybe a lot of kids aren't really learning the best in the traditional school environment where you sit in a desk and just listen be lectured to all day. I know you know it wasn't wasn't very interesting or informative to me and and I can see you know going forward how like well, we can probably solve this problem in one way or another you know and so so I love totally. looking at different alternatives like that
1: I think um it, it's something that I'm recalling now more when I read this book how it was, the impact like I think I tell you our daughter was young we we uh lived in Baltimore, I think I've mentioned this during the Lena episode um and we had, we were uh, going to a Montessori program in Baltimore city and we helped, you know, we were some of the founding parents at that school. Like we're uh, the original parents for that school in Baltimore. We were super involved and that school represented some of that for us. Cause they got to do like urban farming and different things like that. And we kind of got away from that when we had to go back, you know, when the whole low crisis happened we had to go back and do like real nine to five jobs. And, you know, we, it's almost like the school system is designed to facilitate that, right? So that we have, as parents, we have to work nine to five and we have to, uh, so we can, you know, go work for an employer who, you know, contributes to our society and capitalism. And as we know it, but, uh, but that means that the kids have to be in school during that time. Right. But is that, is that really the right way to do it? Maybe they learn better at a different time. You know, maybe they learn better on their own. Maybe they learn better on Sundays and on Monday through Friday, right? So, but but it's all built around like our work schedules. And um, yeah, well, and not we only have is different-
0: it built around the, that schedule, but it's, it's a lot of people would say it's it the school system, as we know, it was developed to train people to be factory totally. workers. That's what it was, totally. you know, it was the Rockefellers and the people back at that time that needed Good loyal employees. So they they built this school systems to train people how to do that.
1: Totally, totally. And we haven't evolved from that. And I think this book did a good job of arguing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but now we can. I know my wife and I had always talked about we were gonna homeschool. Obviously, we couldn't because of what happened, but it would have been great. And, and and that probably subconsciously contributed to why we moved back to the city three years ago because we saw the way the path they were on when we lived in the suburbs and it was fine for elementary school and all that but it was just like one way of learning our kids didn't fit in that box very well and so we're like okay let's go somewhere where there's a lot of boxes and that way we could find the right one for them Mm. so being able to move back into Denver where there's so many like now both of our kids are thriving in totally different environments right but um you know one's at an art school and one's an online school but that wasn't something that would have been okay. Cold, you know, wasn't even really available living in a bird. So, I think mm-hmm. having that optionality at least is is a good mix of the two. You know, yeah, that's great. For us. And hopefully,
0: those options are becoming more and more prevalent. It seems like they are. I, I yeah. think.
1: I think so. I mean, with charter schools and things like that, for sure. Yeah. You know, but having access to them is is key, right? Not just by proximity, but also economically, right? Some of those. Sure require you know or even the charter schools that require the the, the volunteerism i mean there's, there's a access component with that and that if you work in two jobs you can't really go and contribute as a volunteer to a parent right so as a parent yeah. um, things like that But anyway so that was my number three
0: all right good list man so yeah. let's see i had private millionaires relentless and green lights
1: that's right and, and you had, had yeah extreme ownership uh, principles life and work and uh, no more prisons love it yeah
0: well cool well hopefully everyone out there takes the opportunity to read some of these books and and you know obviously if you need any more recommendations or any other ones <laughs> that louie or i think are interesting feel free to reach out i i Read all the time. I always have at least one, if not sometimes three or four books <laughs> going right. at any given time. So uh, I love reading. I, it's just it's something I enjoy doing, and I think I get out of, a lot out of it. So happy to share that any way I can.
1: And 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 uh, vice versa too. Please share with us any good books. Yes, that'd be great. Maybe at one point, maybe we'll even pick a book to uh to read together and, and go through here. But we would love book recommendations. So. Ooh, that's a good
0: idea the yeah. wayfinder book club
1: yeah that is a good one huh
0: you heard it here first all right more <laughs> to come on that
1: all right sounds all good, right man. man
0: yeah have a good day man hopefully everything's going well and uh yeah everyone out there can't wait for you catch you on the next one that's right take care We hope you've enjoyed The Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.